Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, as always, along with Chris Lisa. This is our 2019 NHL free agency wrap-up show and our last scheduled show until players report to training camp. So uh, there's been a whole lot to get to and Golden Knights around the NHL. Uh, Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, uh, Bert. very little to get to and a lot of time to do it. I mean, wait, huh. hold on. Yeah. Strike that. Negative. Strike that. <laughs> strike that. Reverse it in homage to uh, Mr. Willy Wonka, Gene Wilder. So, uh, yes. why, don't we, uh, why don't we jump into it? Uh, William Carlson, uh, your thoughts? Great deal for the club. Great deal for uh, the Golden Knights. Not as good a deal as William Carlson probably could have demanded I guess even even as an RFA uh, definite you know this take a haircut hometown discount whatever you want to uh, whatever you want to say but yeah we don't want William Carlson to actually take a haircut uh, we love his lettuce so, great great deal for the Golden Knights you, you got you got William Carlson locked up eight years five nine a great deal. I wanted to be in Vegas. He pushed for the full eight-year deal. He, he wasn't interested in going anywhere else, and that was, you know, he was willing to take less annual average for the term, and that suits George McPhee and the Vegas Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon just fine. Um, they got the deal done earlier than I ever thought it would. I thought it might even be a one-year arbitration and try and pay him next year with the cap issues the Golden Knights were having. But uh, actually a pretty quick, painless negotiation, and William Carlson is locked up for eight years as a Vegas Golden Knight. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, you know, quite honestly, this is uh, how these deals are supposed to work, although he did definitely take uh, a bit of a discount. You know, when you when you take the security, you, you you know usually leave money on the table. You know that's that's how these deals work. Um, so in the one breath, you, you in the one breath you say, hey, I think in arbitration, William Carlson probably would have made six and a half or so at least. Uh, but it, uh, and again, you look at Kevin Hayes got seven point one. Uh, as you know, if William Carlson were to go out and Let's say have a year next year between what he did last year and the year before, somewhere in between. He he could have uh, demanded a lot more money on the open market. Uh, I think he's 26 going on 27. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're happy where you're at, and look, you could say we could we'll say all we want that you know he he took a discount this and that. The bottom line is he got somewhere between 47 and 48 million dollars. And that's guaranteed. No matter what happens, that's his money. Yep. It's locked yep. up. So, <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, uh, yeah. uh, you sure know, is. for that. So I, I think it works out well for the. And he got the eighth year. 
So, you know, obviously Vegas is the only team that could offer him eight years. And, you know, I, I, that's plenty of money. So, uh, uh, so I think that all, yeah, I think it all works well for everyone. Um, the, the, uh, the, you know, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but this is true for, by the way, this is what I'm about to say is true for any player. I don't care who they are, or even if they're 22, 23, because injuries happen. You know, the only downside, and this is a this is a statement on any seven or eight year deal, is you never know, you know, what the year five, year six, year seven, year eight was going to look like. You hope the player stays healthy, production's there, and all that. But that that's with any long term deal. Now, obviously, this was a real home run for Vegas. Uh, we'll get into it later uh, as we break it down here, uh, which they needed in terms of the cap. So um, yeah, it's 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 definitely good to see. So um, and uh, and then Vegas made uh, you know two trades. Uh, I'll I'll lead off with that and get your take. Pepper Kala goes to Carolina for Nicholas uh, Roy, uh a AHL center, fourth round pick in 2015, a conditional fifth round pick, and Colin Miller goes to Buffalo for second round pick. In 2021, so not next year's draft, right. the following year's draft, and then a fifth-round pick in 2022. So we're talking about three drafts from now. Um, yeah. You know, I was a little surprised in both instances that they didn't get more than that. Um, you made a great point when we talked during the week about Rwan. I'll let you expand on that. I don't want to steal your thunder. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, clearly everyone knew Vegas with, with their cap had to make moves. Uh, that doesn't put you in the best trading position. Again, if, the, if, there's an, if there's enough teams or at least two teams that really want the players, maybe you can overcome that. Uh, clearly Vegas didn't want to trade these players within the division. Okay, so and ideally would like to trade them to the Eastern Conference, which they did in both instances. I was, you know, I thought Hala from a Carolina perspective, was really I know he's coming off a major injury, and I know he only has one year left of team control. He could become an unrestricted free agent next year, I believe. Um, but you know, at a two point eight million dollar cap hit, I, I I thought that was a great deal for Carolina, uh, especially that they need yeah they need scoring. So yep. I mean, at the end of the day, they gave up you know a young kid who could be a good role player. I mean, uh, Colin Miller, I was a little bit more surprised simply because so many teams are looking for defense. Um, he signed. He has, you have team control on him for the next three years at a, at a, at a decent number of 3.85. But again, at the end of the day, um, it's what the market dictates. So, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, uh, you know, there were four or five teams or whatever it was in on Halla and Miller and, you know, at the end of the day, if Carolina got Howell for what they gave up and Buffalo got Miller for what they gave up, you know, someone else who was in the mix, you know, should have beaten it. So, um, you know, they've made a lot of good moves putting this roster together. The The only downside is, um, you know, signing everybody up to long-term extensions, uh, both via trade and their own people, they're right up against the cap, to say the least. And then they got a little bit of bad news in terms of the cap came about a million and a half dollars under than than everyone anticipated. 
So that hurt them as well. In fact, I read over this a couple of days or a few days ago after the holiday trade, ironically in one of the New York papers, saying that Vegas' plan was to keep Hala, but once the cap was set at 81 and a half as opposed to 83, they knew the math didn't work. So uh, those are my thoughts on, on those two particular trades. Well, yeah, Eric Hall, they're two of the original Golden Misfits and, uh, you know, part of the Stanley Cup team. And, uh, you know, obviously Colin Miller wanted to stay because he did sign the four-year deal. Um, Eric Hall, you know, obviously on record loves Las Vegas, and it's always tough to see uh, pieces of your Stanley Cup team leave. But, yeah, cap cap numbers – is what it is, and you know we kind of talked on the show a few weeks ago about who might be going in the in the cap crunch, and and I identified Halla as being a piece that would give you a, a nice cap relief and do some of the least damage to the roster as it is. Um, you know, being that he's he's a best best plays as a center, and Cody Eakin asserted himself last season into a pretty nice third-line center, a uh, good penalty killer, excuse me, able to chip in with with, with goal, decent playmaker, good speed in the middle. Um, so with Cody Glass um, joining the Chicago Wolves and having really a fantastic run there to the finals in the AHL, he's closer to ready than not. So with with Halla really missing most all of last year, really, um, that became a piece that was expendable. And I, I love the landing spot for him. I think I think it's a a, a great place and system and time. It could be it could be a case of right place, right time. Eric Hall is going to go to Carolina, like you said. Um, one year left on a steal. I think that kind of hurt the return a little bit. But but it is a, a real cap friendly number for the player that that Eric Hall proved that he can be. So uh, he's going into a contract year in a new market, and uh, I really think that Eric Hall is going to break out this season as long as that knee is back to 100. percent I think he's going to have a great year. And I think Carolina is going to love the player. Um, as far as as the return goes, the conditional fifth, whatever. Um, you know the the Golden Knights AHL team, the Chicago Wolves played Carolina's minor league team in the finals of the AHL. So the the player that Michael Waugh is, um, the Golden Knights, if, if I don't know how long this trade has been talked about, obviously, but they certainly had ample opportunity to see this player up close and personal and get all, you know, they know who the player is. And so maybe they, you know, Belmar probably wasn't going to be back, and he signed with the Avs. So, um, if they knew that that fourth line center, center slot was going to be open, they know the players they're getting. And George McPhee thinks that the guy's ready to at least compete for that fourth line center on the main roster this season. So, if and Hall is obviously not a fourth line center. At that you know, I mean, he's not going to say, oh, he's a centerman, he can play. No, that's not, that's, no. So, in the market for a 4C, 
and they're very familiar with him, obviously, from, from the playoffs. And, and Rocky Thompson, when the coach of the Wolves, um, I'm sure there was conversations there. So they may have actually got a roster player for a piece that, depending on how that third line gets structured, who's that? Holland might, you know, he might have had to shift to the wing where he's not really well suited. Um, so is he going to be a healthy scratch some nights? You know, it's it's uh, it's a possible roster player for a guy who might have been a square peg in a round hole, depending on how the roster shapes up. So good good for that. Um, the Colin Miller deal, you're two or three drafts down the road. I know we talked a lot during the week that we thought for sure uh, Miller should have at least maybe thrown in a, a prospect, a B prospect with those picks, something that's tangible to be used right away. But they were pretty much over the barrel, you know, and, and you said you said so yourself, Chris, that, you know, the rest of the league, when the expansion draft came along, George McPhee had the rest of the league over the barrel. Well, in this situation, the rest of the league had George McPhee over the barrel, and they, nobody was going to be overpaying for any of the, the roster moves that Vegas had to do to get cap compliant. And obviously, it's what the market bared out, like you said. And for a player with three years of cost certainty, he probably will be a middle-pair defenseman. Um, we all know Colin Miller, good hard shot, kind of wild at times, but when he gets it on net, it goes through. Uh, good speed, sometimes makes some mistakes, uh, judging plays on the defensive side of things. Um, got in the doghouse a little bit last summer, and I think that their last at the end of the season. Um, and I think that's kind of what what made, and that coupled with the the depth of defensive prospects that the Golden Knights have. Um, there's a, you know, from everything I've I've read by Jesse Granger with the Athletic and, and a bunch of other sources. There's there's three guys ready to play in the NHL. Uh, two of them with Chicago, uh, White Cloud and Nick Haig, and then the Hobie Baker final with Jimmy Schultz. Is those three guys are going to have a battle to make that to make the roster this fall? And kind of strange to me that that um, they're looking at using a million dollars, maybe plus, in cap space to bring Derek England back. And when that million dollars could go towards Gusev, which we'll get to in a minute, and you know keep one of those three guys cooking, simmering, whatever, what have you, um, a little bit longer, if they have these guys that would come up at a cheaper rate and help Gusev into the fold, yeah. it kind of makes sense to do that. But that's, I mean, that's how I feel about those two trades. Yeah, so just to wrap up the Vegas lane section. So right now, um, the Knights are at 84.2 million against the cap per cap friendly. Obviously, they have to get to 81 and a half, so that's a little under three million. Um, and and they still have to sign. Well, Gusev is an RFA, so that does not include him. Subban is an RFA that does not include him, and they would like to bring England back. 
even on a low number of, let's say, $1 million, that doesn't include him. Um, so, you know, we go back to what we've talked about uh, to death, who, you know, they they have to get – so even if they trade Kusev, uh per se, uh, they're still over. So they would have – because he's not in that number. Um, so, you know, we go back to the usual suspects. Do they move Cody Eakin? Do they move Holden? Is there something they can do with Clarkson? Uh, you know, with uh, it's again, it's too complicated with the long-term injury reserve. They can uh, put him on that and expand their cap number, but then it kills them in terms of roster flexibility during the year. And I think it's why you very rarely see anyone do that. Um, so there, there still needs to be another move, or maybe two. Uh, quite frankly, in, in terms of. Gusev, uh, to put a bow on the Vegas uh, lane section. Uh, look, uh, I, I believe it's been reported he wants around $4 million. The Knights want to yeah. be around $2, two million. Clearly, yeah. where the Knights are with their cap, I don't see how they can work out $4 million. He is not exactly – I mean, I'm sure they would love to keep him, but it's not uh, an immediate need. Um, he's a guy that uh, – you know, could be moved. I know you have some strong feelings about that. There seems to be a lot of interest in him. Uh, there was a friend of mine, it's funny, we were texting back and forth last night, and you uh, indicated to me there was some, somebody wrote an article, quote, the quote was, uh, you know, well, he's the best player uh, not in the NHL, something to that effect, I believe. And then today, uh, talking about Gusev with a friend of mine from an Islander perspective, ran that quote by me, and I just like, well, look, I'm not trying to put the player down. He's got a lot of talent. He's got skill, but he's unproven, and, you know, not forget about actual dollars paying him. You know, $4 million is a you know decent cap space number, and you don't know what you're going to get from him. Plus, is this a guy who, if you sign to, if you sign him to a one-year deal, two-year deal, what have you, and then he bolts for Russia. And I said, but I uh, I made the point of, He's not the best player not in the NHL. In fact, he's not even the best player not in the NHL on the Vegas Golden Knights. That person's name is Cody Glass. Uh, so uh, I'm not trying to put down Gusev. Uh, you know, again, the market will be, if they decide to go that route, uh, the market will bear what they would get. It seems like there's strong interest. So um, I heard uh, from an Islander writer, he felt that, you know, we're doing maybe a defensive prospect is what, uh, Vegas is looking for maybe a pick kind of thing, so we'll have to wait and see uh, how that plays out. So, quick thought well, on I, Gusev, and then yeah, I, from you, I think that uh, the the best player in, in the NHL could be better clarified to say the best player, but not right, who who is not currently affiliated with an NHL team either in the National Hockey League or in the minors. Yeah, well, that's that's a pretty small window. I mean, it's a pretty small played in the in the European League or what have you. So I know, but when you say it like when you say it like that, it makes it sound like the guy's a superstar. You know what I mean? Like when you know, well, he is. In the KHL, he is a superstar. I know, but we don't Uh, know yet. We don't know how that's going to transfer over. No, we don't. But right. there's no question that he's a bona fide international superstar. Uh, probably one of the 
top three players in the world championship this year. Um, 82 points in 62 games over in the KHL. We know this is going friendly. Ian, don't know the translation. He's on the small side at 160 pounds, give or take. But he's, he's also a two-time scoring champion, uh, four-time all-KHL. So there is some bona fides in his resume for sure. Um, yeah, but to put it put but, it above the last point, to put it in perspective in terms of his status as a NHL prospect, and again, I'm not saying this is the gospel, but the Hockey News came out with their future watch in March or April where they ranked the top 100 prospects, and he was number 84. Now, now, what that's did not he say about that, the player? Or was he just on the list with no synopsis? He, he was on the list with that's every all the prospects in the sport. So he was on the list with everybody. So yeah, like for instance, no, Cody, no Cody Glass blurb, was number no three. Blurb about him. I'm say that again. There wasn't any blurb written about. Did on oh, no, they NHL. liked him. They 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 liked him. But I'm just saying, in terms of a prospect status, he's not. Uh, you know, um, he, he's not the Russian kid that the Wild have, who's in the top ten. Uh, I, I'm just saying, like, he, he he's very well thought of. He has a lot of skill. I'm not trying to put him down or anything, but he's not this can't-miss, blue-chip. He's not Cody Glass. He's not even close no. in terms no, of not. a prospect. Yeah, he's no not question. even close to a player like that. So that was that was my only point. And like I said, you're going because of his unique circumstances, you're going to have to, whoever, if it's Vegas or someone else, you're going to have to pay this player like he's a proven talent, and you're going to have to give up pretty good cap space like he's a proven talent. That's That was my point. Yeah, no, and and you're right on both counts. But for, see, where the Vegas Golden Knights slot him is third-line left wing. He's not playing second-line left wing. He's not going to bounce Pacioretty. He's not playing first-line left wing. He's not going to bounce Marshall. And they're looking to pay right. him like a third-line Left wing rookie, which is somewhere one point five to two point five, right? Um, sure. And, and I think I think that's fine. If he wanted to take, and the rumor was a two year four million per ask on the player's part. So if if you're you know it's, it's arrogance in the player, and and I I told you last night that the cocky rushes I just love them. Um, that. If you're if you're hoping to make a team as a third line center at your first NHL game is still in front of you, maybe you take the one and a half, two and a half for two years, and if you blow up and you score sixty to seventy points and twenty five to thirty goals, then you come back. You're a free agent because this is an RFA year for Gusev, and so you're a UFA in two years and you hit the open market if you don't if you don't want to stick around. Um, I think the player ask is too high. And yeah, I think I think the agent strategy and him, or more the agent, has said, look, this is what we're going to ask for. They're probably not going to give it to us because they can't. But someone will, and they'll trade you to someone who will. I think that's – I think that's if – they'll, if they'll make room for you, great. If not, uh, they'll probably trade you someone else, and someone else will pay you that contract. Well, the is what the you know knowledge of what he's asking for. Right. Anybody who anybody who entertains the the trade aspect 
says um, knows, knows what they're going to have to be paying. And when when you do a quick right. Twitter search right now, ninety percent of the Twitter feed is New Jersey Devils fans going, "Do it, do it, bring in Kuchev." I don't know if there was any report linking Kuchev uh, to the Devils, but I, I was right before the show. I, I did a little search to see if there was anything new on the Twitter. Um, it was all Devils fan. Maybe a couple Islanders fans sprinkled in. Um, there are reports there's eight to ten teams that have contacted the Golden Knights about the players. So there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a, a chip in, in George McKee's corner. But I mean, all the points that you brought up about you got to pay the kid four million dollars. He's never played in the NHL. There's always a chance that if he gets unhappy after. You know, or you have to ship him to the minors because he's not working out, that he just leaves you in the lurch and goes back to Russia. Those are all real concerns for the buyer. But from the seller's point of view, like we were talking about last night, if I'm George McKinney, I don't care about any of that because he's in a and I don't have to do anything with him. He can sit around all year on his butt. He can go back to, to Russia and go fishing for all I care. He can try again in the, in the NHL next year with the USA. I don't have to move the player if it's not something right. that's going to make my but, team better. Right. But just to wrap this up, because we've got so much to get to, you texted me last night saying that I believe that the Knights' rights with him end at the end of next year. Is that correct? I believe so. I, I think. So it, if that's the case, if I'm you're in Vegas. Again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Right, right. I, that's something to consider uh, is as how long. I don't know where those right. rights would expire. So, again, just like with Hala, I know they had to make those moves. Here they don't have to do anything because he's not under the cap. With exactly. Hala, but they did they did the best that they could with those other situations with Hala and Miller. If they're going to lose his rights, let's say, within a year, if he goes back to the KHL and then he'll become a UFA next July 1, and you can get whatever, you know, whatever it is, a 2 and a 5 Use your imagination. A three in a defensive prospect. You, pro- as an organization, you're better at getting those assets than, you know, having them lose them for nothing. But again, there's so much in play with this, so we'll we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But um, no question. Real, yeah. So why don't we hit the, around the league um, here? So uh, why don't you? We'll each give a quick thought on the major items. You kick it off with uh, Panarin and the Rangers. Um. Well, I'm, I don't know about the fit in New York. I mean, I don't, he's a little bit overpaid because everybody's going to overpay for somebody in, in the free agent market. I don't think he's, what is it, 12, 12 and a little bit? 11.6 for uh, seven 11. year deal, 11.6. Um, I, I think that, I mean, the, McKenzie tweeted out the night before that the Islanders were the, the, the yep. spot, and I think that was the agent leaking that information to flash up on the player a little bit. I don't think he ever really wanted to go uh, up North Long Island. I think his heart was always in the metropolitan area. It's been reported that his girlfriend really likes the metropolitan area, and I think that was where he wanted to go. So I think that Isles report was a little bit of dirty, not I don't want to say dirty pool, but just a little bit of misinformation that was tossed out there by the nation to uh, maybe pony up the Rangers and their half million per year or whatever. Um, 
It, it's not to say, but I don't know if the timing is right to bring in a player like Panarin when you're going through that. That and then they, you know, they trade away Jimmy Dickey. Um And I don't know if he's a five and a half million dollar player. It's not. Uh, I think you're in a bad spot, Mark. In the bad spot? Now you're in a good spot. Okay. Well, I, I, I did get some feedback from uh, from Shiger, uh when this was all going on, and he was hearing that it was looking good for the Islanders. Um, and then when Columbus made the late run publicly, now it was that PR and they knew he would never take it, so they wanted to – Make right. it look like. I mean, they they did theoretically offer him a hundred million dollars. So, I mean, that's a uh, you know, what if he said yes? Um, but he said to me, I'm like, well, is this a real thing? He goes, well, you know, it's a big number, but he said he wants the big city. And then when he said that, I was just like, well, unless the Rangers are really not getting close to the Islander number, um, you know, why would he? Why would he choose the Islanders over the Rangers unless he right. really had uh, a great meeting with Lou and Trot? So, um, yeah, we'll have to see where the Rangers obviously think they're ready to uh, uh, be a playoff team. Um, you know, if not now, definitely a year from now. Um, so um, we'll have to we'll have to see how that all all shakes out. Um, Bobrovsky goes to Florida. Seven oh, yeah. years, seventy million, big huh. number. Luongo retires. Um, look, here's the deal for me wow. about this move. So yeah, wow. it's a big number. I mean, uh, he's the second highest uh, goalie. Oh, uh, Carey Price, I think he's getting ten and a half. Uh, he's right. thirty-one. I think next spring he'll be thirty-two. So right. just looking at the deal, it's a huge number. Uh, and then what I said before about William Carlson and long-term deals, well, not really William Carlson, but, William, but long-term deals, this is more, much more of the danger zone when you sign someone who's 31 to a seven-year deal. And but a goalie. This, and a goalie. And, Which increases uh, that, that risk to me. Right. And, by the way, didn't they just kind of go through this with the Roberto Luongo, an old goalie? Now, granted, he had a much smaller yeah. cap number, but relying exactly on – Exactly the same scenario. Same scenario. And then the coup de grace to me is they taking Spencer Knight, who I am a big fan of. I think you are as well, at 13 yes. in the draft. And yes. I just said to myself, well, why would they go after Bobrovsky? Just take Spencer Knight at 13 and sign Bobrovsky to a seven-year, $70 million deal. Now, I'm not, I know Spencer Knight's not going to be ready next season, or maybe and probably the year after that. But he's not seven years away, okay? And the, the, the Panthers are thin on defense throughout their whole organization, not just on the main roster in their prospect pipeline. It's all forward-heavy. There were a number of defensemen there at the 13th pick. People say, why aren't goalies taken higher? Well, goalies are like the NFL draft to quarterbacks. Teams can only have one starting goalie with the big club, okay? So if you have a starting goalie, you're not going to use the 13th goal. Even, even if a kid's like, wow, 
you're not going to use it on the 13th overall pick. Okay, so these two moves make no sense to me whatsoever. I In guess they have insurance yeah. down the line, but you would be paying Bobrovsky franchise money, to say the least. So, uh, to, me, to me, I don't mean to pick on Panther Nation, but as Dan Harrington, I think I can quote him, uh, would say that's the, that's the Panthers being the Panthers. I really don't understand <laughs> the mo- those two moves together whatsoever. No, no I, exactly. I, don't, I mean, when I, when I saw what the deal was, the first thing I thought of was that, okay, so they're going to have another 38, 39-year-old goalie that they can't trade and the same $10 million do that they just probably had the conversation with Longo that said, hey, buddy, need to retire for bringing in this guy. Do that for us. And I don't want to say forced into retirement, but basically let them know the writing was on the wall for him. Um, and so they set themselves. And my thought was, wow, if I'm Spencer Knight, and I don't have a spot in gold for seven years. What am I doing here? Um, so I'm, I'm with you, and I don't want to go to sign it. Yeah, you're in, a, you're in a bad spot again, Mark. If if you want to swap things out. Go. Price is number one. Is Obrovsky the second best goalie in the National Hockey League? No. No, he's not. But you're paying him that way. Exactly. Uh, so, no, I'm not. Other, you know, they wanted to make a splash. Florida did. It was known at the trade deadline that they cleared out a bunch of cap space and they were going to go heavy after their guy, and they got him. And, you know, kudos to them. They did what they wanted to do. But when you take one, one, the signing in conjunction with the draft pick, there were a lot of good players on the board at 13 that could have helped that club. Um, so I, 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 I'm with you. I don't understand why you do both of those things. Matthew Shane, uh, great pickup for Nashville. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's he's a, an offensive player, but he's not. Um, He's not like the sniper like Panarin is, but he'll help them from an offensive standpoint, help their power play. And I know, and good for David Foley, uh, everyone's throwing him bouquets on the seven-year deal, $8 million. When you look at what – I mean, think about it. Jeff Skinner got a little over nine, and, and Duchesne got, got eight. Um, the one thing I will say, it is got to be kind of nice when you're doing a negotiation and the player really wants to be in that market and with that team. So uh, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from David Poli or Nashville, but, you know, sometimes the, the stars do align for you. Yeah, sure. One, one thing about Skinner, though, he's a different player. He might pump in 40 goals on Eichel's wing for the next seven years. Um, no, I know, no. but I would think he's yeah. a better player than overall. Well, Skinner's a better goal scorer, but Shane well does everything else. I would say more well-rounded. Uh, mm-hmm. Fills more needs with Nashville. Um, I, I, it, do you know if, if Kyle Turris is still with Nashville? Uh, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I I think he is. I could be wrong though. I I want to hope that he is because that just makes Ottawa even worse. 
in in, the, in that trade that they had no chance of winning. Um, you know what I'm saying? They got yeah. they got their player from Ottawa. Now they got the player that Ottawa traded for at a really nice cap number. Um, and and Ottawa gave their first round pick to Colorado. <laughs> so um, it, it just makes makes that's got to just make Ottawa Nation even more upset. But no, I like the fit. I like the the depth down the center. When the Nashville Predators went to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago, one of the reasons they did was because they had such great depth down the middle. And then they both got injured, and it didn't quite work out for Predators Nation. But the reason that they got there was their depth down the middle. And now with with Duchesne there, it's it it's gonna help that team a lot. I like the fit, and I like the signing. Toronto makes a couple of big trades. They Zaitsev and Connor Brown and Condry, in terms of the big pieces, are gone. Cody CC, Tyson Barry, who uh, Colorado's picking up half the cap hit, and Kerfoot come in. The Leafs have 11 million in cap space. Have to sign. Have Marner, CC, and Kerfoot as RFAs. From what I read, uh, they expect Kerfoot and CC to probably fall between seven to eight million, which would leave a little over three million under the cap, and still having to sign Mitch Marner, who wants the Austin Matthews. Yeah, who wants the Austin Matthews deal? Um, you know, on paper, you these these look like good moves. The thing is, when you look at the lease, right? Two quick things. One. You say they need to get better defensively, and they need they need more sandpaper. Well, Conjury was probably one of their best sandpaper players. I get why they moved him uh, with all the shenanigans he's done and, and being basically taking himself out of the playoffs the last couple of years, particularly this mm-hmm. year. The best asset you can have is being available, and, and due to his actions, he's been unavailable. And right. CeCe and Barry – uh, will help their defense. Uh, is is Barry the you know? I mean, I think of him more of an offensive guy. Evidently, he's bad defensively. We'll see how those pieces fit in. Um, but here's the big question: Toronto is Toronto uh, the favorite to beat out Boston and Tampa to win the division? Well, with their backup goalie situation, um, I would say probably not. Um, and you know, with their with with their overall team defense, I would say I don't believe that. Which which then means Toronto will probably finish second or third, and they're going to get either Tampa or Boston in the first round of the playoffs. Even with CC, assuming they keep Mitch Marner, even with CC and Barry now in, um, is, is are they good enough to beat Tampa or Boston? in a playoff round, and if not, Mm-mm. it'll be the third, third year in a row of losing in the first round. So, uh, you know, again, we know Toronto's going to have 100 points or 103 points and all that, but at this stage of the game, it's all about the playoffs and, and making a run. Yep. I, I, I agree with every. I like Tyson Berry there. I think, you know, one of the things, you know, widely held belief that Toronto needs is, is upgrade on the blue line, and uh, so much so they gave a first-round pick for Jake Muzzin at the deadline. 
and I like Tyson Berry. He's a, a good probably two, three, maybe three, four defenseman on that mm-hmm. roster. Um, so I, I like that piece. Um, I think Cadre's time in Toronto was come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, you know what I mean? So I think that and, and you mentioned that he's a real uh, a physical, gritty player, and, and I get that. But I think maybe it might be an addition by subtraction type situation. Um, he he just has the penchant for taking the bad penalty at the worst time, and that, like you said, that bit that's bitten Toronto in, in, in the butt twice now in the playoffs. Um, so that that might be addition by subtraction. I'm not real sure what their plan is to replace it. Maybe it comes from within. But still in cap trouble. Still have to, uh, like you said, CC and, and Barry both have to sign deals, right? And, and combine their... CC and uh, CC, Kerfoot, and Marner, yeah. So w- without uh, Marner, that's a whole different discussion. But those, you right. say those two, uh, Kerfoot and CC, are... are uh, so my team, people think... Between think seven and eight combined? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in that range. That's where... Okay, I'm so to... let's call it three and a half each. Uh, AAV, right? So then... Yeah, that would be, I, they would be about a little over like three million under the cap. Yeah. So They're having to sign minor. That's that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So st- still in cap trouble. I, I do believe it was time for Cadre to to ply his trade elsewhere. Um, I think that helps. I I really like what Colorado's done this off season. Um, well, I guess we'll get to them in a little bit, but um, Cadre's yep. certainly on on the ice. If he can, you know, if they can talk him off the ledge, so to speak. Then, then he'll definitely help the Colorado Avalanche, um, and I think Barry will definitely help Toronto. And we'll have to wait and see what they do with uh, the Marner contract because it's, you know, they said when it was Marner, Marner Nylander, and the what was the quote? That's not going to be a problem for us. I think when right. they asked, right? I think it's going to be a problem for us. <laughs> So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I think that just those trades actually might make Toronto a better team. Might be, but you know they are they better than Boston and Tampa, who that's the division well, they're right. in. You know what I mean? And the same thing. So, the uh, same, I feel the same way about the Rangers and Panarin. Does Panarin move them in, in front of the people they're chasing? No. So is was it time to make that that trade or that signing? Probably not. So they're still, if they're going to be in next year, which I'm still not 100% on, we got to see what else happens there. I, uh, the Rangers are still going to be, you know, wild card. And it doesn't make, it might make them a playoff team, but it doesn't make them a cup contender. And probably I feel the same way about Toronto. Okay, so the Isles, uh, we signed Andres Lee, and it was not an end or Lee Panarin. Supposedly, the Islanders had Lee uh, at, at pretty much the finish line going into the weekend. Uh, Lou wanted to keep that under wraps, uh, and uh, even though it was uh, announced later in the afternoon, people were over here, needless to say, were freaking out. Um, mm-hmm. But the plan the plan was 
to re-sign Lee and add Panarin, so the Islanders are still in the market for a skilled top uh, top six forward in terms of scoring. So they re-sign Lee. Uh, they sign uh, Semyon Vlamov, uh from uh, from Colorado. Uh, it, for whatever reason, it didn't work out with Robin Leonard. Lou wanted to go. Um, he didn't really want to go more than a couple of years with Robin. I'm not sure why. Leonard actually wound up just getting a one-year deal from someone. Maybe the, the goalie market kind of fell. Um, he is going to make $5 million this year, which is a nice number. But maybe he felt like, you know, I'm better off showing myself, you know, one more. Uh, let me show, put up another big year, and maybe there'll be a better contract next year. But Prolomov is a guy the Islanders have had their eye on since Luke took over. It's a guy they tried to trade for from Colorado. Uh, this time last year after Colorado got Grubauer, it didn't work out. Their goalie coaches, who are the best of the best, swear by him. And, oh, by the way, he's best buddies and has a great relationship with their top goalie prospect, Ilya Sorkin, entering the season on the last year of his KHL deal. So they'll, they believe that will help the transition there as well as Thomas Grice, who had a terrific year last year as well. And it, I'm sure him and Vlamov will probably go with around a 50-50 split is on the last year of his deal. So, um, you know, Filippo went on to Detroit. Uh, the Islanders looking at options. Do they sign a veteran for that third-line center? They put Did they move Sezikis up? And the Islanders play all four lines pretty equally, so it's a little, they're a little bit different animal. Do they go with a young guy? So we'll see. I don't think the Islanders are done. I think they have – I think they – I wouldn't be surprised if they signed uh, someone like Brian Boyle out there or Love they made Brian a trade. Oh, yeah, I know. Or they made a trade or well, whatnot. Gusev. So, uh, they're in on Gusev. They're in on Gusev, so we'll see. And they, they do have plenty of defensive prospects, and it wasn't that long ago that George McPhee uh, worked for the Islanders. So Absolutely. some of those yeah, names – I was going to say there, there is a connection there. Yeah, there's some of those names uh, out there, uh, some of those defensive prospects the Islanders have, uh, uh, McPhee, McPhee knows well. So uh, uh, so uh, why don't you take Colorado? Uh, I'll set it up for you. They had, We mentioned they had Kadri. Uh, they traded for Bur- – they made a lot of moves here. They had a four forwards. They, they yep. traded Soderbergh, but they added Kadri and Burakovsky – in a trade, they added Donsky through, I believe, a free agent signing, as well as Belmar, yep. who I know you're a big fan of. So yep. give me your thoughts of Colorado. I, I think that the biggest problem that Colorado had uh, last season was, and the season before, obviously, um, was depth of scoring, and forward depth. And I think they've addressed it quite nicely. Um, I think Burakovsky is going to be a nice fit on the second line left wing there. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it, you could do a whole lot worse than Pierre Edward Belmar on, as, as your center, fourth line center. Um, he, he brings, he, he can win your face offs. He's, he's a gritty player. He's a physical player. He has speed. He, you know, he, he can, cycle the puck with the best of them on the fourth line and keep the pressure out of their defensive zone. Um, Burn up minutes in the offensive zone. So I love that signing for Colorado. 
Um, Don Skoy gives you a, a guy who's been on Stanley Cup teams. And you know how I feel. Uh, there may not be a ring now in the locker room, but there's a guy who's been to the final. Um, and, and that helps the young players all, always, I, I believe. Um, so Don Skoy from the Sharks is, is a good sign. And I think that they're, you know they went out to address their forward depth, and I think they achieved it very well. I like what Colorado done. You have to replace Barry, obviously, and they might have someone in the system, or you know, we got to see what happens there. Um, but the the bugaboo for them was they're a one line team, and they're not that anymore. I think they've done very well. So Arizona picks up. Uh, they they are a team uh, had a nice season last year, just missed the playoffs. Definitely needed scoring. Uh, they they land Phil Kessel, who basically it was Arizona or a bust for him. He, he likes he likes the he loves play, loves Rick Tockett. Uh, that's why. So uh, and Pittsburgh wanted to move him clearly. So they 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 had Kessel and Soderberg, who you know two veteran players, which will help that young team get some scoring. They did give they did trade Galchenyuk, so they gave up a little bit of scoring there. And they traded their third best prospect, uh, former first round pick from a couple of years ago, Pete, uh, Pierre Oliver Joseph, who ironically becomes uh, the Penguins' uh, farm system has gotten so depleted, uh, becomes their number one prospect. So um, uh, interesting, you know, good move. I, I, it makes sense to me what Arizona did. Pittsburgh wanted to move on from Kessel. They did. They had Joe Chenyark who's, you know, 25, going on 26. He's done some good things. He's really good on the power play, which I guess is he really that there. Young? Yeah, yeah. He, like he came up very young. Yeah. Wow. The only thing is, Galchenyuk is one year away from unrestricted free agency, so you wonder what's the fit long-term in Pittsburgh, but we'll save that for and, another day. And coming but, off uh, the injury-plagued season as well. Yeah, so um, – uh, I know you you try to follow Arizona a bit, being out there. Uh, what do you think of adding Kessel and Soderberg to that young team? Well, it doesn't hurt anything, obviously. Kessel's a point per game player. You just wonder, you know, he wore out his welcome in Toronto. He wore out his welcome in in Pittsburgh. Pretty much mixed a deal, a rumored deal for for Zucker to Minnesota, and forced forced the hand and said, "I want to go to Arizona." He has the right to do that with his no trade clause, and it, I, I just wonder. The only, the only question in my mind is how he fits in the locker room down there. I think that that group in Arizona is becoming kind of a kind of a nice group, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, locker room wise, they're standing up for each other on the ice quite a bit more than we've seen in the past. And it's it's translating into into some wins, and it's a young team, and and Kessel's obviously a point per game proven scorer, Stanley Cup champion, and you're adding rings to the locker room, and all the stuff that I usually love. But there's there's you have to question why Pittsburgh's moving on from that player with that, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know how that meshes into the Coyotes' locker room, but other than that, I mean. Uh, obviously, uh, on the ice, it makes them a better team. Does it make them a contender? No. 
um, the Pacific Maybe Division. You're, re- you're well. You're looking at Calgary, Vegas, and San Jose in the in the Pacific, right? So they have to maybe a wild card. They have to compete for a wild card because we know the yep. Central is is you know top heavy as well. Yep. So can can they beat out the Dallas's? Dallas got a lot better. Can they beat out the Minnesotas? I don't know. So I, I don't know if that even makes them a playoff team. We'll have to wait and see. But on the ice, it, it should translate to um, a better a better product, a more exciting product. They have a new owner now. The sale was approved so um you want to bring in a player who's going to create excitement and and sell more tickets so hopefully that you know that transpires um does it make them good enough to snag one of the two wild cards i think everything has to go right in order for that to happen i uh, i'm still not sure all right we got seven minutes we're going to do this rapid fire dallas uh, add scoring. They signed Pavelski, three-year deal, seven million per. I think that can Corey help Perry, them, especially. Yeah, Corey Perry on an incentive one-year deal. Uh, so we'll see if the two vets can help them take the next step. Uh, Chicago uh, made some nice moves. Oh. Bring back Andrew Shaw, sign Leonard, trade for Dehan. Is that good enough in that division to get back to the playoffs? Minnesota, I like Matt Zuccarello, uh, but he's 32. They gave him a five-year deal, and they're the oldest team in the league. So, uh, And then hmm. finally, Columbus, uh, they lose all the guys. They lose the big three. All the Duchesne, guys. Duchesne, and Aaron. A little surprised they didn't find a way to trade, make a trade with, with somebody uh, to give them that eight year. I guess it wasn't really there because the Lord knows they need the draft pick. They did make a nice signing with Nyquist four years at five and a half, but um, I don't know. That's a, that's a lot of inventory that they lost. What jumps – of those uh, four things I just mentioned, which which one, what jumps out to you? Well, also, I just saw reports that uh, Dallas signed Andre Sakara too, from Edmonton, and if he can be healthy, um, that's another puck-moving defenseman with speed and, and uh, uh, stick skills that's going to help them get the puck up to their forwards. So that's – it's three nice pieces, I think, and I'm trust me. Uh, being a long Kings fan, I'm not a Corey Perry fan. You don't want to play against that guy, but if he's on your team, um, he, he's he's the guy that clears the front of the net. He's the guy that will be first into the scrum. Um, he'll chip in some offense. So that's the great sandpaper type player that that maybe Dallas needed. Uh I know they they were the stingiest defensive team in the league besides the Islanders, right? Um they were very much improved very much improved defensively. And I think Corey Perry gives them a nice two way forward. I mean Joe Pavelski's Joe Pavelski. You park him in front of the net on the power play and he's gonna score goals. So that's a nice pickup. Their power play gets even better. And their defense gets better with Sakara. So nice job by Dallas. Uh, Chicago still building, still working things out, still kind of cap struck with the defensive contract that they find. Um, Keith and Seabrook still getting older, still costing a lot of money. I, I think those are basically stopgap signings. I don't think that gets. I, I think 
I'll say this, when we're talking about Arizona going for a wild card spot, I think Arizona will be closer to a wild card than um, Chicago will be just because they're playing in the Central and they have to go through the Nashvilles and the Winnipegs and the Dallases and the Minnesotas. And I don't think they had a nice season last year. I thought they might squeak in as, as, as the eighth seed, didn't quite get it done. I don't think these signings make Chicago a playoff team yet. Um what we say Minnesota got was old got older. I I like Zuccarello. Yep. I don't I'm not sure what the attraction was for him to go to uh Minnesota. I don't know what other offers he had on the table obviously, but yeah, a player of that age you kind of think that he's maybe on his last deal and would would like to compete for a Stanley Cup. I don't know if that happens in Minnesota. I like I like the player. It makes Minnesota better. And, again, this kind of seems to be the theme in this year's UFA in my mind. Does it make them a contender? I really don't think it does. Yeah, so the I last think Dallas, two, out, of those, out of those three, yeah. I, I think Dallas vaulted themselves into contender status. If Bishop stays healthy, and, and with that forward depth, bringing in Pavelski and, and Perry and bolstering their blue line, I think that absolutely vaults Dallas into contender status. So uh, Ron Francis's name has come up as a serious contender for the GM job in Seattle. That would be a very smart hire because when you look at the Hurricanes this past year, and like, like, wow, look at the team that's been assembled. That was uh, Ron Francis. And I'll give you the top five for the uh, of top five UFAs for next July one as of now: Backstrom in Washington, Peter Angel in St. Louis. Fulpe in Washington, Taylor Hall in New Jersey, and Hoffman in Florida. So that's your that would be uh, the top five for next July one. If you want to look ahead uh, to that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of Kremen came off as general manager material. He was rumored with Edmonton and Seattle, and got the head general manager's job here in Vegas. Uh, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with Ronnie Francis. Uh, Come on, that's excuse me. That's uh, if if that comes to fruition, um, good for Seattle. I, I think he'll do a great job starting that friendship. All right, my friends. So that unless something major happens over the summer with Vegas, uh, that will be it until September. Already booked our first guest for next year. Dan Harrington, nice. come on to preview the Atlantic division with us. That's locked and loaded, uh, but another good year in the books and looking forward to next season as well. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for all the work you do for the podcast, sir. Uh, we, we, it was another what, fourth season now. We're in, we're in over 160 episodes. Uh, viewership or listenership, right. All, all around the world from, from our staffs. Uh, we, we thank each and every one of you guys out there that listen to the show. We appreciate it. Um, we appreciate you guys. Never thought that we would still be doing this and, and have as wide a breadth of listenership as as we have achieved in four years, Chris. And a lot of the kind of goes through and the work we do with content management side of things here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And, one of my favorite people in the world to talk hockey with. So you're you're the you're the yin to my yang, if you will. I am the the fields guy, and, and you're the down to earth.
kind of, I think we go good together when we're talking hockey, and I appreciate all you do for the show, sir. Back at you, my friend. All right, well, that does wrap us up for the 2019 NHL season. We, we, if something happens uh, with the Duchette thing, we might hop on and, and put out a real quick podcast and talk about those deals if, if Vegas does anything. But we're headed to the cottage with Chris on Mark, and 2019's in the book.